Welcome to I Don't Need an Acting Class with Milton Justice. Carl brought up a really interesting point about how oppressive it would be to be in a job for eight years that you hated. And it's interesting because when he said it, I, I, it's like I, I was thinking about it and I thought, oh my God, can you imagine? God, eight years? And eight, eight years in the shoe factory. It t- I think in order to get to the depth of things, it takes a while for it to seep in. I do not think, and I think this is one of the problems when you're really, really smart, there's kind of the response that often is, okay, yeah, got that. So next. And so what happens is we... we find ourselves answering questions correctly but we're it doesn't it doesn't seep in it doesn't it it's like yes yes um boy it must be terrible to 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 be at a job you hate for eight years it must be awful to be a writer and be forced into working in a shoe factory where you write poetry on the back of a shoebox and it's sort of the the tendency is to think, okay, good, I got that one. So now what do I need next? And, and that's really, I think, one of the issues that we have is that we lose the importance of what these facts are. I mentioned it the other day that Stanislavski apparently called them active facts. And I thought that was a really interesting term. I can't believe I've never heard it before. But it's, it says these facts are active because they're meant to be something. So the fact that you begin to think, and, and again, this a lot has to do with there's a difference between a character and me, the actor. But me, the actor, has got to like make that jump to thinking what would it be like to be in a job you hate for eight years and then we add to that and this is the thing that hit me that we're adding to that unfortunately I'm not being interviewed about my book however (laughs) I'm being interviewed by the New York Times on Friday about people who invent extended families, invent families. And so you put these things together. You put together the need that a person has for a family, the responsibility for a family. That's where it all begins to like, you, you have to sit back and say, what is it that he's going through? Because what Carl was talking about was we're trying to figure out, and the reason that Tennessee felt so guilty, and the reason that he wrote this play in a sense to try to somehow assuage his guilt, if you will, is that 
abandoning your family is something that kind of hovers over you for your whole life. But the idea of being someplace where you're strangled and dying, it's just insurmountable. The, 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 the pain and, and stress that you go through. I think what we have is a constant knowledge of the struggle of the playwright and uh, the understanding we have to have in order to earn this play. That we have to understand what a deeply human struggle is like. I think it's one of the problems we have. It's like we don't have a sense of our own personal struggles as being a big idea. In other words, we don't look at our own lives. This is the reason, by the way, I think it's ridiculous to use your own life. But we don't look at our own lives and think of them as being a thematic idea. We don't say, I moved to a new town because I was hoping to find work in, in the field that I love. And then people told me to move to another town. And so I went to another town in search of this. And so we don't think of that as if, it, as if I look at that, that's huge. It's huge to think that a person goes from place to place to try to find something that is satisfying for a life. And so that's the problem. The problem is we don't have a tendency to understand the size of ideas, and that's when it makes it difficult for us to do big plays. Most of us, if we talk about our lives, we're one step away from being on Oprah. It's just like big things that happen have sort of made their way into talk show fodder. And so that's one of the problems that we have. We have a problem because we are not geared towards looking at anything beyond the plot factuality of it. It's the reason I stop people constantly, all the time. I, I, I stop actors when they start to tell me the plot because... We rush through things without allowing what you all have been doing when you just let the play, you think about the play. You know, you think about the play as you go through and you think, hmm, I wonder what that would be like. I wonder what that is. I wonder, my God. And then you have this revelation that says, my God, imagine, imagine doing that. And you finally get it. But it takes that time. And it takes that time because we don't, we don't live with that kind of struggle. I mean, being Laura, being Laura, and always, n never fitting in, 
always feeling as if, my God, I mean, always feeling as if you, you there, there's no way you can survive. That the only thing you can possibly do is to have little glass animals. I mean, I, I, you, you know, you begin to see her entire world in these little glass animals that they they have a name and and they have these things that she cleans them and she talks to them and she has a, a life with them. There's a wonderful book called Tell Me a Riddle. Uh, and you can't find the movie any place. Uh, Lee Grant directed it. But it, in it, this fabulous, fabulous old actress, Lila Kudrova, and her husband, he said to her late in life, he said, you always had your books. And you escaped into your books. And you left me. And I, I always felt like that's how my mother survived my father, is she liked reading. So it's all of, it, it's all of that, that, that when life is not wonderful, you find an escape that allows you to be someplace else. And that's how Laura spends her life. She spends her she spends her life someplace else, and this is and that just horrifying confrontation with Amanda, that you know when she says where were you and she's you know walking around all day, and she'd go to the zoo and go to the you know. Uh, and and just go out and just have this this life. So, anyway, so the the purpose of all of this, I think, if nothing else, is to really have us try to figure out what Tennessee is saying, what his what what he is seeing, and uh, and in a sense, what we've decided right away was what he wants forgiveness for. What, what was going on that gave him that particular difficulty? I Don't Need an Acting Class is hosted and created by Milton Justice. Senior producer is me, Walker Vreeland. Director of online media is Evan Sollers. And music is by Jeffrey Keezer. The opening piece tomorrow is from his latest album, Playdate, featuring Shedrick Mitchell on organ, Ron Blake on sax, Richie Goods on bass, Ayushi Karnick and Nir Felder on guitar, and Kendrick Scott and Manyungo Jackson on drums. And what you're hearing now is M's Bedtime Blues from the same album. You can find out more about Jeffrey Keezer on his website, jeffreykeezer.com. That's Jeffrey with a G-E-O. Please uh, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It really helps us reach more people, makes a huge difference. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at I Don't Need an Acting Class. And be sure to check out our website, I don't need an acting class.com. You can see every 
episode we have ever released. And please continue to send your acting questions, comments, reflections to Milton. It actually helps us figure out what we're going to cover. And he'll either address your question on the podcast or he will write you an in-depth email directly. So he really, you know, he takes his correspondence from listeners very seriously. You can reach him at questionsformilton at gmail.com. Again, that's questionsformilton at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you back here next week.